Welcome to the Bristol Festival of Ideas. My name is Ramesh Feitelingam, and I'm just about to go into a session called Every Planet Has a North, a rather peculiar title, but the subject is going to be about regional issues around the UK. One of the speakers will be Bridget Rosewell from Volterra Partners, who is here with me now. Bridget is also the author of a new book in the Perspective series published by London Publishing Partnership, and the book is called Reinventing London. Bridget, why don't you start off by uh, giving us an overview of what the story of your book is? The story is really that all successful cities reinvent themselves, sometimes more, sometimes less, but there's a process of change, and it is the city's ability to both create and absorb change which makes it a successful piece of human engineering, if you like. So in the 1930s, London reinvented itself as a producer of consumer goods. That was all around the North Circular and the South Circular. After the war, a bit of a, a hiatus, obviously, lots of damage and so on, but then subsequently it reinvented itself as a service sector city, and all the jobs that were around the edge all moved into the middle. So we created more jobs than we lost in that process and had a transport system which just about coped with that transition and became a business services city. We're now in the process, I think, of at least an evolution of that invention, where some elements of those services are disappearing, some of the financial services part of it, but being replaced by much more technology services. Still very much business-related. That's uh, sometimes known as Tech City. Google's just taken a million square feet near King's Cross. All of those sorts of uh, reinventions are continuing to take place. That's what makes London one of the greatest cities on earth. How, how much do you think that London is, is under threat at the moment? Under threat, for example, by what's happened to the financial service in- industry, under threat by what we seems to be another housing bubble, under threat perhaps by the government's policy on migration, trying to limit the number of migrants, which is, have always been a very uh, vibrant part of London. Mm. What's, what's your view on that? I think that the backwash from the financial services crisis is actually something we'll look back on as a city and say, oh, well, we dealt with that, didn't we? Actually, not many jobs involved, same number of jobs pretty much in financial services before, during and after. A lot of froth at one point, but the froth gets blown off the top. We go back to doing what we do. I think on the housing side, that's much more important. The ability to build houses and and having the places to build them at a decent size remains a real challenge. So you've got people wanting to come and live in London, not enough houses, guess what, the price goes up. You've also got a lot of investors wanting to be in London because they see it as a successful city with a strong rule of law. So if you think your money might be a bit unsafe where it is, why not put it in London property? And that certainly has a big impact at the centre of the city. So I think the housing is a problem. I think the other problem is a a sort of general feeling, oh, if London gets too big... Somehow this damages other cities. I think that's misguided. Well, I, I wanted to ask you about that. I mean, there's this whole issue, long-running question in the UK, really, about London dominating the economy. Very, very, very different from, from say, Germany or, say, the United States. What, what's your perspective on that, that argument? I, I think that London has dominated the UK economy or been a very important part of the UK economy since Roman times. So we're not likely to change that very dramatically. It doesn't mean to say that other cities can't be successful, and indeed other cities are successful. Bristol is successful. It uh, has a very high employment rate, actually, Bristol. Manchester is reinventing itself, has, has actually picked up that battle. Newcastle is trying to do the same thing. And if you think back to the Victorian period, you had huge growth in many of these cities at a time when London was growing as well. So they're, not, they're complementary as much as they are competitive bit of competition is not a bad thing. Complementarity and collaboration in other places is also not a bad thing. You need both. Some people have complained that uh, financial regulation coming in after the crisis might uh, 
drive uh, some of our financial services uh, industry to other, other places, into, into Geneva, perhaps into Frankfurt, perhaps the United States. Is that really a threat to London, do you think, or is it just too appealing a city to, to lose too many of these people? I think a much bigger threat on that front isn't uh, regulation of financial services. I think, as I say, we'll, we'll kind of get over that. The migration point is actually more important. And then if you look around the world at the places who welcome new talent, in fact, London is still relatively open compared to many other places. It's quite easy to come and live in London compared to going to live in Switzerland or even getting a green card in the US. So we have to look at these in relative terms as well as absolute terms. I completely agree that we need to be sure the talent comes. One of the issues we're going to be talking about at the session is, is around the sort of the north-south divide. And one of the supposed answers to solving that issue is the uh, high-speed rail HS2 uh, conversation. Where, where do you stand on that? I'm in the pro-HS2 camp. Henry Overman is one of the other people on the panel, so we may or may not end up in a debate about this. He blogs, I blog. I disagree with him, he disagrees with me. Hey, I think that we don't estimate properly what bringing cities effectively closer together actually does for their economy. The mechanisms that we have both to model this and evaluate it, estimate those impacts, actually have too much history in them, not enough about what a step change might be, and, and finding the right historical parallels or case studies which enable you to think about that. So I think we need to actually do the evaluation differently. And if we were able to do that, we would see why we need to do this. That's the speed part. But the other thing is, of course, the capacity part, which is actually there are so many people on the trains, we haven't got any room any longer. And the best way of dealing with that is not to close the railway while you rebuild it, it's actually to build a new one. Final question, we're, we're in Bristol. Where, where, do, where does Bristol sit in this north-south divide that's often talked about in the UK? <laughs> Well, historically, it's definitely not in the north. It's, it's what, part of it isn't north, but even if you think of the north as being a, a metaphor, if you like, for the more deprived parts of the UK, then it's, Bristol has never been like that. It's been a rich city for a very long time. It's had its doldrum period, like many cities had, particularly after the war. I think we shouldn't underestimate the impact of that physical destruction that happened in cities like Bristol and how long it took to kind of get some momentum going again for the city. But I think it's a great city. I live uh, not far away, but this is where I come to, to be or to shop. Bridge Rodel, thanks very much. Thank you.